podcast with Dan and Scott. Hottest golf podcast, whether you like it or not. Fresh from back in the day when that's a put at the park. 7 a.m. PM special where they played after dark. From the birds to the focus to the losses and the win. Welcome podcast, patron to the show, lead the pen. Get busy golfing or get busy dying. Hottest golf podcast and the swing ain't lying. Podcast patrons, Leave the Pin Podcast is super stoked to have Gas House Golf as their official clothing sponsor for the podcast. Go to gashousegolf.com, find them on all forms of social media at Gas House Golf. Gas House makes affordable, eye-catching, one-of-a-kind polos that help you stand out from the crowd. Why spend $75, $100, or even more on polos that make you look like everybody else when you can get one at an affordable price from Gas House Golf? Hit the ball a mile and look damn good doing it. All right. Welcome back, podcast patrons, to another episode of Leave the Pin Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Dan. Got my co-host, Scott. Middle of winter. Scott, what is the good word? Uh, It's 40 degrees. It's been all sorts of rainy. And uh, golf is seems very far away for me. I played golf today, Scott. I I know. Um, Yeah. So we went to the sim this morning, and Lai was a little bit unhappy with how he was hitting in the simulator, and he said, you know, I need to get on the course. I said, okay, no big deal. Let's go. We get out there. I said, do me a favor. Just please check the weather, okay? You know, it's just so I know what I'm getting into, and you know the weather by me and by you at this time of year. So needless to say, we get out. It's great. Uh, By the middle of the first hole, it's snowing, then it's raining, then it's snowing, then the wind picks up, then we're in a blizzard. Um, and then the last three holes are fine until we get to the ninth green and it's snowing again. Uh, I mean, I guess that's the, the, like you said, the challenge of being up in the mountains where you are is you could end up like being sunny and okay one minute and the next minute there's like a squall coming through and it comes out of nowhere. Yeah. A lot of the listeners don't understand, but like, here's a perfect example. We were on the ninth tee box and he got an alert on his phone. Cause I made him get the weather update alerts for when he's out playing tournaments mm-hmm. and he keeps them live. And he said, dad, uh, snow squall coming in in 15 minutes. Now the last hole, you know, any amount is a par five. Yep. So about the time we get up to the green, you know, we're looking down the fifth fairway and coming across the mountain is, a, you know, sure enough, snow squall, which we got, you know, yep. hit on as we were leaving it is what it is. Well, uh- I guess the the one good thing is the because of the way like Indian Mountain kind of works in the winter. I'm assuming it still works on the honor system. Yes, correct. It, Ten dollars inside the door slip. Yeah, is that if, if you had to like just ditch out on like the third hole or something like that, no one would bug you if you went back out like two days later and and jumped off the third tee. Yeah, no, not at all. I mean, there were there was a total. We were there from I think. I don't know, whenever I texted you, like noon to 2.30 or not even. It was like an hour and 40 to play. There was a foursome in front of us and there was a threesome behind us and then us. And that was it. And by the time we pulled on to the ninth green, there were no more cars left in the lot. Hmm. But people are getting after it, Scott. Uh, Why not? I know. I know. Hey, if there's no snow on the ground and I can get a tee in the ground, I'll play. And I know you will as well. Definitely. All right, so it's 2023. This episode is going to be broken up into two parts. We're going to go 2023 goals that we have as far as golf goes, maybe for the podcast, maybe for our own playing golf, whatever. 
And then we'll get into dumb things about golf or maybe things that we hate. We've done this before. I don't want to say it's yearly, but we've definitely done one or two episodes where we talk about things that we hate about golf and the things that are just stupid about the game that we absolutely love. Um, but let's go into 2023, Scott. Do we, mm-hmm. Is there anything specific that you have in mind as far as goals or accomplishments that you want to have happen? Well, I, I'm going to say goal and accomplishment for me, number one, is to play more. Um, mm-hmm. we, we have spent a, a, a good amount of time on this podcast lamenting the <laughs> fact that I, I very infrequently play. And, you know, this summer, the summer of 2022 was going to, you know, was planned to be my like reintroduction to the game. I was going to get out there. I, you know, I rejoined a a club that I had been a member of. um, And for a good chunk of the beginning of the summer, I was out there on a pretty regular basis. But then it got really, really hot here, Um, like unbearably hot. And. It, it just didn't make sense with other things that we had going on. Sure. So, now, let me now let me ask you this. I always find this funny because you guys are a big-time Disney family. Everyone that listens to the podcast knows that you go down mm-hmm. multiple times a year. Does the heat bother you as much down there as it does on a golf course? So. Or is it because you can jump in and out of air conditioning and – what so it doesn't I, I can deal either way right what kind of the what ended up happening was because i was going out after my daughter got home from camp uh because i you know i worked during the day now during the summer um most days and so what i was doing was that she would get off the camp bus and we'd go to the golf club she'd ride around the cart with me uh you know putt on a few holes and just kind of, you know, hang out and let her drive the cart. So she caddied around for me a little bit. It's good times. Um, but as it got hotter and hotter, she would get off that bus and just be like, yeah, no. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I, I I know the the look of a on the face of a kid that's been on a super hot bus that has no air conditioning, just the windows open. They come out flusters, ears all red. Yeah. yeah I get that completely. So, so that's... Now- that for me, that, you know, just, just again, trying to get out more. That's, you know, goal number one, goal number two, goal number three. <laughs> now, out of curiosity, do you, did you track at all rounds that you played last year? Do you have an idea of how many more you played than, I mean, I know it was a ton more than 2021, um, but do you have any realm of? If you're asking me actual rounds, I, I, it wasn't a ton. Yeah, I, no, I'm not. You know why? Because yeah. people that know you and I, we're we're the kings of five holes, six holes, eleven holes. You know, I mean that that's basically you know the the whole seven o'clock special. That's you know, how, we, <laughs> how we really kind of cut our teeth in the game. You know um, what? Not, look, it's our podcast. We can do whatever the hell we want. I think maybe it's a good time for our new listeners, our new followers, to maybe talk about what tiger hoods is rapping about Mm. in our intro he talks about this 7 p.m special where they used to play after dark well that's one of the lines scott well it actually it fits in really well because we were talking about the camp bus so (laughs) um again for people who haven't listened before for brand new listeners people who don't know kind of like our dan and i's history like dan and i've been friends since we were five years old Yes, so, it, it's uh, it's 
39 years now. Yeah. It's going it's, to be 40 years this year. Yeah. So again, we, we go way back and I, I don't remember exactly when you got like into golf, like into golf, but I remember the, the summer that we worked at, at camp together. Yeah. Um, we, you uh, were a, a bus counselor and I would hitch a free ride on that bus and uh, we would get off said bus, go home, change, grab our golf clubs and head out to Eisenhower Park. Uh, that would be the, the park uh, from the song. And uh, we would kind of wait around till seven o'clock. And at that point, the park was closed. Correct. And All the county employees would go home. Yep. Yeah. And maybe there'd be people around, maybe there wouldn't, but we would just like, we belong there, you know, hop off a tee box and go to town. Sometimes we threw our clubs over the fence and hop the fence ourselves. Sometimes we just walked in, strolled up to a tee and was like, Oh yeah, no, no, we paid. We're, we're, we're cool. And then just now, go out. At, and, at, we would, at, and we would literally play <laughs> from like seven o'clock until like nine 30. Um, and sometimes we get like a full nine in. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't condone that, uh, nor am I mad at people that might, you know, follow in our footsteps and, and do that. And one of the things we used to do, and, and if you remember the one and only time we got caught is because we were a little bit early, you know, oh, yeah. I, I think that's like how all criminals end up getting <laughs> caught. Scott is like, yeah. push the boundaries a little bit too much. And that, so they had um, the the dog who would chase geese around, <laughs> and I, they the dog came running after us. And, and, and like because, they stick to dog on us. And because there was no one else out there too, um, mm. you know. So we used to be very, you know, very clandestine, very secretive. We'd we'd wait till groups passed. No one could see us. Uh, the cover of semi dusk. If you will, we would grab like the, remember the used like paper tickets they would give you as like your your when you paid your greens fee. We would like find one on the floor in the parking lot. So we so the way that it worked back in the day, there was no electronic tea times. <clears throat> they used to give you a paper ticket and it was stamped, and you would attach it to your golf bag. So when you'd pass the starters hut or when you'd pass a ranger, they could look and see that you teed off at. 2 p.m. So you should be, you know, at this point, kind of what GPS does now in carts. But this was, you know, back in 96, 97 or so. And, and those that technology was not available yet. So we used to collect a bunch. So we'd have like eight to 10 to 15 tags on our bags. So if anyone ever said anything to us, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, oh, well, I played it here yesterday. Well, oh, was it? Oh, this is two weeks ago. This is, oh, it's, it's in here somewhere. Just keep them all yeah. on. And then they wouldn't want to be bothered, so they were just like, no, you guys are good. Go ahead, go ahead. Right. We played a lot of golf that way, Scott. We did. It was it was an almost like nightly basis that we were out there. And and for everyone that thinks that that's a scummy thing to do, while it might be, uh, A, it showed our love for the game, and we did play plenty of paid rounds there, which, and people still don't believe me when I tell them to this day, rounds that took over six hours there on a public course and that is no bs that is new york long island golf in the late 90s and just again for people who did not experience that that's a six hour round waking up 
at like 5 a.m. to wait online to get a tea time. To get a 10.30 tea time and 11 o'clock tea time. If you're lucky at 10.30 tea time. Yes. Um, And then having to kill like a good chunk of the day. And then you're getting out at 10.30. And then that six-hour round, that's if you're lucky. Yeah. So as broke college kids, we kind of felt like, you know. They owed it to us. They owed it to us. And, And you know what? And now, 30 plus years later or 30 years later, we're giving them the ability to be heard worldwide. Right, so we're giving back mm. to the Eisenhower Park golf community. So if you're on Long Island, people, go check out the red, white, or the blue course. Um, in that particular order, red first, white second, and then blue. Would you agree? I would agree. Yeah, blue and white are kind of interchangeable. Doesn't They're matter. Pretty much is- the, and and blue and white are pretty much you know fourteen of the same hole. Yeah, that just kind of play in different directions. And yeah, then some par threes. Yeah, red is a dope course, and and actually, you know, after we had done and mm-hmm. been done with our escapades, uh, hosted uh, senior tour events, champion tour events. Yeah, so that was cool. Um, yeah, so that that's a that's a tangent. So your your goal twenty twenty three is to get out and play more golf. Now, are you going back to said club? Yeah, definitely. Okay, okay. Uh, if for no other reason than um, we also, in addition, they have a pool and right. you know, a clubhouse with a restaurant and stuff like that. Um, so my wife and daughter, you know, it was an extra 300 bucks to have access to this pool. Yeah, it's... I, I, I don't see why. Free. That's a home run right there mm-hmm. for for them, so. Yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, what what's the cost of an in-ground pool? 50, 60 grand, like, you know, you'd have to go for a hundred years. <laughs> try, 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 the one quote I got was 90. So. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you, for three, 300 years straight, you could go and not have to pay that much money. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, now, is that place open? Do you have a place in the winter right now that you can, that you can do, that you can golf uh, at? I can go there. I mean, there, okay. there's temporary greens and temporary tees. Sure. Uh, I did at one point. Um, it was pretty nice last week. Oh, yeah. Um, I did at one point reach out to the, the pro there, uh, who's really cool. Um, and I was like, hey, man, like, it, like I, I can go out, right? And he's like, yeah. He's like, definitely. Uh, he's like, as long as you paid, you know, your first, you know, your, your first uh, installment for your membership. Right, uh, like, hey, like I, I don't, I don't do that. I, I join after July first because I don't really have a chance to play before that. Gotcha. And he's like, gotcha. whatever. No one's gonna stop you if anyone else <laughs> just tell him I said it's okay. So, but I ended up not going out. Ah, I gotcha. Something gotcha. else came up. Okay, no doubt. Um, any other goals throughout the year? Uh, no, nah, I'd like to. I mean. Again, I just like to get back into it. So that, you know, some of that comes with, you know, practicing more and stuff like that. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. I, uh, and, uh, you know, I used to, and, and I, and this would be a good weekend for it. Cause it's, it's not terrible out. I used to kind of like around like mid January, start going to the range once a weekend, um, just hitting us a, a small bucket, maybe, you know, maybe a large, like when I start to feel, you know, feel up to it Mm -hmm. Um, just to kind of get like the, you know, the feel for everything back a little bit. So I don't know, maybe uh, I'll hit that up tomorrow. I, uh, I, I didn't have any goals 
going into this year. You know, I, I normally don't set any. And then Lies Instructor was, was talking to him um, about his stats. And he said, do you keep stats? And Lie was like, well, you know, not like hard copies, nothing that I can like peruse through over the data and stuff like that. And he said to him, he said, why? And Lie's like, I, I, I don't know. Like, I don't have an answer for that. And it got me thinking what I'm good at and what I'm not good at in golf. And, you know, in my mind, I always felt like I hit fairways, I chip and putt well, but everything else in the middle is kind of suspect. Um, so I started keeping stats, Scott. I started using the 18 Birdies app. No free ads. Uh, we'll tag them, maybe they'll sponsor, but no free ads. But it, it really is a great free version of an app. You can pay for upgrades and it costs like up to 100 bucks a year or like 20 a month, whatever. I'm not going to do that. You know, I'm not, I, I don't care enough. Um, but the app gives you GPS, it gives you distance, um, and, it, and it allows you to, to check fairways hit. Did I miss left? Did I miss right? Greens in regulation, how many chips, sand saves. So it starts building all these percentages in. And the other thing I wanted to do was keep an actual handicap this year, mm. right? And people say all the time, well, you know, what's your handicap? Well, I don't know. I kept it for, for, for two years. You know, and, uh, and that's, you know, back in like 2010 when I was playing, you know, great, great golf. And, uh, and then the boys, you know, started getting older and then, you know, uh, one thing leads to another. I'm not keeping a handicap anymore and I don't know what my handicap is and I can only guess. And so those are two things. So already right off the bat, the stats have proved to me that what I thought about my game is actually true Mm. through two rounds. Scott, I'm going to read them off to you right here. For two rounds, I have hit 88% of my fairways. It's phenomenal. World class. World class. Um, I'm averaging 1.6 putts per hole. You know, so... No, I mean, so I don't don't know. Like, maybe 1.5 or less is good or whatever. You know, I mean, two would be 36 putts around. That's too many. Um, 1.5 equals what? 27, 26, right? That's good. I guess. I don't know. Let me see. Hold on. Let me riveting, riveting podcast. 28.8 it equals. So 29 putts per round. That's a little high. So maybe look up uh, what's what's an average. So the, the PGA tour putts per round Last year, the uh, the leader, number one, uh, was uh, 27.7 putts per round. Okay, so I'm only a little bit above that. And again, and again, very small sample size on my home course. So very skewed data we're dealing with here. Yeah. Um, but, but, and this is the biggest but, and I think one of the reasons why my putt number is low because I'm chipping for third shots on par four sometimes, you know, second shots on par threes. Mm-hmm. My greens and reg is 33.5%. That's awful. Mm-hmm. I'm hitting six greens around on average. Now, again, I don't know what tour is, but I'm sure you probably want to be somewhere around 65 to 70%. I know I would definitely like to be. So, I mean, that, that's right there is black and white what I need to work on. Yeah, iron, just, 
the the tour average is 65.5 65 there you go yeah. so almost double basically double what i'm at um you know granted i'm playing from my set of tees they're playing from their sets of tees but i guarantee i'm above average in fairways hit you know i don't lose many balls i i, I don't take too many penalty strokes but right there in black and white you know the data is telling me you miss too many damn greens per round you idiot you know you need to hit more in order to make more birdies cuz i don't make a lot of birdies you know i think i finished last year averaging <clears throat> excuse me like 1.7 birdies per round i mean that's that's not a lot considering i'm going to make a double or a triple yeah, here or there yeah there's going to be a bogey or two yeah, more bogeys sure. that are than pars right then so that I, you know, I don't, I, I think, I think part of it too is club selection for me. And we live in an environment where we don't have a status quo weather throughout the year. Hey, my eight iron goes 135 in August and it goes 132 in December because hmm. we live in a tepid climate. You know, we don't like today I had. 108 into a into a slightly elevated green playing like 112 and i was like all right that's pitching wedge all day in this weather you know and like i barely hit the front of the green right because you know i'm playing and it's 32 degrees out and it's snowing and it, and, it, and the wind's blowing so i think i need to make better decisions and not let ego get in the way when i'm standing on a par three tee box is there a range near you and and i, I know you guys do the indoor um, and the, whether or not the the um, stats you get from the the indoor sims, are yeah, I mean it's accurate. a you know, it's a, there, full, is... it's a full track man, Scott. I mean it's yeah. it's literally the track man that sits in back you. But mm-hmm. I agree. I I don't know if you know it measuring ten feet um, of data is good. Someone will correct me on that, but I I, I don't feel right. like it is a hundred percent. But go ahead. The range that I go to, um, well, I have two ranges I go to. The the range that I go to, local range, not so great, but the one I go to in Connecticut has uh, like a, like TrackMan range installed in every um, every like hitting bay. Okay, that's like um, the one that down at Talamore that we went to, which was which was awesome. So. You know, I, I, again, like it's it's good to have that kind of like baseline number because you're not yeah. walking around with a track man, right? Exactly. And, and the thing is, like, I I kind of know my numbers, but but realistically, when do I play the majority of my rounds? In the spring, in the summer, in the fall, when the temperature gradient is much smaller, you know. So I get to rounds now, and I know they don't count for handicap purposes. I get that in the Northeast, like the, it doesn't open till March, uh, and it ends in November, but you know, still, I, I, I would definitely, that's that, not, I would like to, I'm going to be more consistent. Like my goal is, is 55%, you know, maybe, maybe push it up to 60%. That's my goal for the year. I'd love to keep mm-hmm. the fairways above 70. I want to keep greens and regulation at 60. Uh, and I like, I like the putts per green at around 1.5. That's my goal. So when we do this next year, you know, we can look back and forget everything we said and, you know, talk about it again. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, so that's, <clears throat> that's my goal. Um, and then my, my second goal is very similar to yours, but it's to play more 18 hole rounds. A lot of my yeah. golf comes with coaching. 
right? A lot of my golf comes at Indian Mountain, a nine-hole course. As people on, you know, people on one, when I cross over from nine, I'll just go home instead of waiting type deal. You know, I'd like to get to a few more courses in the area and set aside days to actually play 18 holes. And with that being said, kind of 2B to that is to get to play more golf with you because it oh. has been far too long since we have played. That is a thousand percent true. So I think, uh, I think, and that's a goal that, you know, I think both of us can work on and we'll, you know, the meeting of the minds and, and mesh our schedules together and definitely get out, uh, you know, at least two to three times this year. I feel. I definitely would, uh, definitely would second that one. Cause I want to cut, you know what? I would love to take like, you know, especially lie up to play your course, um, up there. I think that would Mm. be cool. You know, um, you know, take him around and get him, you know, get him a little bit of pressure playing with Uncle Scott. You know, like, hey, you got to show up today and and show out, <laughs> which is uh, it's always a good thing, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I love that, so I'm I'm definitely interested. All right, cool. Make that, so let's those, make that happen. Those are those are the 2023 goals. Um. Well, well, you know what, Scott? Everyone, I'm going to keep these stats. So every once in a while, we're going to keep abreast. You're going to continue to run the bit of when's the last time I played golf. And then hopefully we're not counting the days in the uh, 20s or 30s in between rounds. Definitely not. I hope not. All right. So let's move on to part two of today's podcast. Stupid things we hate in golf. This came about from watching television, golf on TV. Uh, this came about from playing. This came about from just kind of living in the golf space like we do. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I was thinking, you tell me if you like this, ping pong, a few back and forth. You can go, I can go, I can go, you can go. And uh, we'll expand on on two or three of them or so. Sounds good to me. All right. Here is, well, be it a completely irrational one of something that is stupid or something that I hate in golf and something I have no control over either, mind you, is Zach Johnson's pre-shot routine. Now, you had mentioned that you had not seen Zach Johnson play in a while. Not in a very long time. So I don't necessarily go down these rabbit holes, but someone had posted the video of Zach Johnson on the 13th tee box of Augusta a couple years ago, right? He takes that practice swing and clips the ball. It bounces off the tee mark. He has no idea what to do, right? Obviously, unintentional, he gets the free drop, you know, retake. So I was like, why was Zach Johnson taking a practice swing so damn close to the ball? You would think as a pro, he would know better. Not true. This man does this all the time, uh, and literally, Scott, at the players, shanked one into the gallery on his practice swing. He has done it, and I have found video of no less than five times of Zach Johnson hitting the ball during his practice swing. And he has like a staggered stance. You can tell it is definitely his practice swing. Is not the definition of insanity doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. That is definitely the definition, yes. So, it, it, to me, if you have done this before, 
why do you, as a consummate pro, continue to do this? And I understand that pros do the same thing over and over and over again. And it is what separates us from them. But I just feel like if you move friggin' two inches further away, none of this would happen. Again, it would seem like a logical, like, hey, I keep doing this. I should probably try to do something different so it doesn't happen again. But and who look, knows what goes is, through the, the mind of Zach Johnson? I don't, for sure. But this is truly my old man yelling at the clouds moment right here because it has no bearing on my life. Um, I laugh when it does happen, but I find it completely irrational that this man continues to do that over and over. So that is one thing I hate. What do you got for us? So uh, I may not have played a lot of golf in the last few years, but one thing I can say that I have done uh, more frequently is attend golf tournaments. Um, And obviously going back pre-pandemic, you know, that was definitely like, you know, three or four tournaments a year for me. Yes. It's cut down a little bit because there hasn't been as many things local, but whatever that's all good um one of the things that drives me crazy is the fact that i at this point if i want to eat something is like 15 dollars for a hot dog again i understand you got you know they, they have to make money and all that but it doesn't need to be like baseball football stadium prices do you remember back in the day when golf was always the cheapest like we could bring 20 bucks to a tournament and know for a fact that we could eat lunch and dinner there and then still have you know a buck or two left over or or, or whatnot um between the merch which look you want a tip you go to a tournament you see something you like don't buy it because no matter what that tournament site or the pga tour site will be selling that stuff for dirt cheap a month later, mm-hmm. especially for the majors. Obviously not Augusta. You go to Augusta, you buy yeah. every goddamn thing that you can find there that you like. Okay. But you go to the PGA, you go to the open championship, you go to the U S open, you go to any LPGA one. And all you have to do is go to their website a month after, and everything is on clearance. There is hardly anything that sells out. Um, so there's a tip for you to save some money, but the merch costs now, and the food, Scott, you're right. It is literally Major League Baseball, NFL pricing. Exactly. And again, it's, you know, like for me, I I go to the Travelers every year. Um, You know, back when I started going, you know, it was, and I, I, you know, I don't expect things to be like completely like wide open. Like I can walk wherever I want, but it has gotten so well, and obviously as it becomes more and more attended by better players, yeah. but it has gotten so much, so much more corporate than it was. Like there's, there's bleachers and, and hospitality tents, like where there was nothing before um, used to be able to kind of like gather freely around the first tee. And now it's all bleachers and a tent. Like none of that stuff's open anymore. They used to used to be able to go into the the regular club pro shop and buy stuff, you know, with the regular club logo, not the yep. tournament logo. Yep. The snack shack 
used to be open and they would have their own concessions. That's not true anymore. So again, some of that, some of that stuff might be COVID related, but you know, it, 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 I want a value. I want something that's good that I can enjoy. Something that's a little bit different than what I would get anywhere else. I don't mind paying for it, but if it's the same bad hot dog I can get anywhere, then it doesn't need to be 15 bucks. Yeah, I think the only value in a daily golf ticket is the fact that if you went from first tee time to the last tee time finishes, you could get, in some instances, nine, ten hours worth of entertainment. We're at a Major League Baseball game, you're going to get three and a half hours. NFL, you're going to get you know two hours and 45 minutes. NBA, you're going to get two hours worth type deal. So I think that's the only value. It's a funny point that you mentioned that, Scott. Do you remember the difference, and I know you do, between the two U.S. Opens at Bethpage Black? Oh, completely. And the, and the routing. The first time we were able to walk everywhere. By the, yep. second, by the second time, there were so many holes that routed you what literally seemed like off the property that you were just mm-hmm. missing wide swaths of the action. So I, I went to the, the PGA there twice in 2019. And one time, no, but I, both times I, I took a bus over. No, one time, how did I get there? It doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> whatever it is. They, they let you off somewhere and then you walk around, you know, they have to bring you through all the different, you yeah. know, things. Yeah. And I know I haven't been there like regularly in such a long time. And I know the grounds of Beth Page, like the back of my hand. Mm-hmm. I have no idea where they let us off from that bus. Right. And we walked around and I was just like, where are we? And then eventually like we got to like where like the blue the blue courses and, mm-hmm. and i was like okay kind of i know where i am now yeah. and then then they route you kind of around a little bit more and then it's just it, again it, it's crazy what they need to do to get that traveling circus to run correctly yeah unfortunately it is well and then you know you know like there's that like water fountain kind of by the red course yeah. yep like so and in the past, when I've gone to the tournaments there, like you could actually get water from that water fountain if you really wanted to. I've walked by it. I passed by. We're a good like 10 feet off the ground. And you can look down at the water fountain because they have it like. <laughs> yeah. Just like, yeah. wow, that is, that's crazy. Yeah. No free water for you. You're going to pay five fifty for a mm-hmm. bottle of it. Yeah, exactly. Understood. Understood. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, my next one deals with actual plane conditions. And I know the rub of the green. I, I, I understand that golf is not played in a vacuum. It's not played in a bubble in a dome. I understand that. However, my biggest pet peeve in golf is you hit a good drive. You land in the middle of the fairway. You land in someone else's divot. So somebody before me was so inconsiderate not to fill their divot, right? Or maybe they do fill it with sand. And now I've got to hit out of a sand filled divot, even though technically I did exactly what I was supposed to do on this hole, exactly mm-hmm. what the architect demanded, exactly what, you know, my swing was capable of. I did the epitome of golf. I hit the fairway and I'm not even rewarded with a semi-decent lie. 
And I understand people will say, dude, you're an idiot. Those things happen. It's golf. Get over it. But for people like you and I that don't play all the time, like we're not playing five or six rounds a week. If I'm playing one round a week and I hit the fairway, like, hey, that's a, that's I'm pumped. That's a great accomplishment. Like, I'm happy. I'm ready to attack this hole. And now I'm laying, especially like, you know, where you and I live in the Northeast with the type of soil we have, I could be, you know, laying in a mud hole this time of year. Yep. And of course I play. There's no sand. Right? If you don't fix your divot, if you don't repair it, it's just another mud spot for the for the springtime. So that drives me insane. And, and, and Scott, I don't know the answer to that. Like, I don't know if the USGA could designate a rule in golf that says something along the lines of if you land in a um, a fairway divot or a sand-filled, um, you know, cut in the grass, in the turf, whatever, however you want to label mm-hmm. it, that you're allowed free relief, whatever, maybe five inches, six inches, whatever it could be. I, I don't know, you know, something. Uh, to either side, no closer to the hole. And I realize that would have people up in an uproar. And, oh, people have had to play out of divots and sand-filled divots for years. But we're making so many other changes in golf, right? We're making people curtsy to, to drop their ball. Why not? Why not make the majority of regular hackers and amateur golfers out there happy? If it made a huge... Uh, now, again, obviously, the divot makes a difference. But if moving it out of the divot and onto fairway made a huge difference, then I'd have a problem with it. But in the end, that divot should be fairway. That's the way the course was designed. That's the way it was constructed. And I understand, obviously, you know, conditions have it. But that's, that to me is not a, it's not a natural condition. Right. I look at like a. It's been acted upon by an outside agent. Yeah. That's a great way of looking at it. If I'm, if I'm playing baseball, Major League Baseball player, um, and, and I am being held at first base, I'm the runner, and I'm thrown over to 15 times, and as I'm sliding back, I'm starting to make a depression in that, ter- in, in that soil there. Guess what the grounds crew is coming out to fix the very next half inning? Oh, yeah. Right there. Same thing if I'm a pitcher. Okay? If I'm... A pitcher and the opposing pitcher is making a hole or a big divot with his cleats in an area that I want to land in and it's not my exact landing spot. Guess what I can do? I can build that back up with dirt. Can't do that in golf. I know it's apples to oranges. I get it. But for people that are trying to keep, you know, a legit handicap, it might not make a a big difference in handicap strokes. But I think it's it's a big difference up here mentally when you're playing around. Definitely. You know, that how many times have you hit a great... I, I know it happens to me a lot, and really the majority of it occurs because of the course that I play at. I get that. Um, but if I go and let's say I'm playing a course at Pinehurst, right? I'm playing a, a country club somewhere, wherever, and I land in a divot, I'm going to have the best experience I can, and, and I'm going to move that. You know, so so that actually brings me to my next my next thing is people who are gatekeepers. Mm. And listen, I understand. Like I'm not telling you, whoever 
not to have fun your way because that's not what I, I'm about. But if other people want to do that, if they want to move that that ball a couple inches over outside that divot, keep your mouth shut. Like, I, we're not playing for millions of dollars. I, okay, fine. Like, maybe, like, the handicap changes a little bit. I, you don't know that the person's going to even mark that score down. Let people go out. Let people do what they want to do. As long as it's not getting other people's way, as long as not interfering with your game, like who cares if I start on the fifth hole? You're, you know, you, you're all the way back on the the tee box of the third hole. There's no one between us. I want to hop out of my car, jump on the fifth hole, and not have to wait behind the group on the first. Like, who? What does it matter? Yeah, you know what? I think it's irrational gatekeepers like gatekeeping just because it's always been done that way well maybe the way that it's been done is actually stupid and if we applied some common sense to certain things Mm -hmm. you might see that wow you know what there might be a better way but people are so stuck in their molds that they don't want to break from them yep and and to go along with that like i have been told because i i play by myself a lot because I like to go out, play quick, and then go about my day. Um, one of the the things that that really drives me crazy is when the the foursome in front of me, and again, you don't have to let me play through, but you also don't have to say like, just so you know, we're not letting you play through because singles don't have any right to do so. I understand that. That's fine. Just. Like you waited to tell me that, like, just keep playing. Like I, yeah. I'm good. Like I, I, again, as much as I say, like, I want to play quick. I want to just go about my day. I'm also perfectly fine taking a seat on a bench for 20 minutes while you guys hack your way up to the green. I, I'll just sit there. I usually bring like a golf magazine with me or something, or I'll just look at stuff on my phone. I, it really makes no difference. I, there are times where it's me and a group in front of me and there's no one behind me. I'm waiting for that group. And I've gotten so into what else I'm doing that I didn't even realize that I was good to hit. <laughs> so just keep your mouth shut and just play your game. Don't worry about me. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's a whole generalization about society. Everyone's worried about what everyone else is doing instead of taking care of their own stuff. Yep. Uh, and it shows itself in golf. There's, there's, you're right. There's a lot of divisiveness for no reason. I mean, literally mm-hmm. no reason whatsoever, except, you know, someone decided to wake up that morning and choose violence for whatever reason, you know, exactly, which is stupid. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree with that one wholeheartedly. I didn't even think about that one, but that is an enormous pet peeve. Mind you people, this is a game we absolutely love, right? Mm-hmm. We do the podcast, do the social media. We love this, but there are, it, you can, if you truly love something, I feel like you can look deep into it and say maybe there are ways to do it better my problem is not it itself my problem is the the again the people who prevent other people from doing what they want to do right golf is what you want it to be in my opinion we say that all the time right you could only play putt putt and par three courses and call yourself a golfer and without a doubt you are i don't again i don't care if you want to pick a ball up throw it in the fairway, play that way. Like it makes no difference to me because it's not, it has no bearing on my life. 
Right. And and honestly, if those people end up playing in actual tournaments, then they're going to have to play by the tournament rules, yeah. which is fine. Like, that's yeah. cool. And some people never play competitive golf. Some people do. Some people loathe it. Some people like it. Whatever. It's fine yep. either way. Yeah. Um, they can't, I'm, I'm gonna, they can't do that when they're playing against me, so whatever. Right. Correct. I'm going to throw you a curveball here, Scott. It's something I thought about as we were talking about all this. I was going to talk about golf announcers. I'm not going to. I dislike okay. them. I do dislike them. Um, a lot of the times I'm watching golf. I have it on low. I'm doing something else on my phone, second screen experience. Um, they take me out of they take me out of the action. Mind you, the way that golf is televised is awful to begin with. Not enough shots, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They don't televise everyone on the course, only the leaders, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Let's skip that. I'm done. We talked about it enough. I want to talk about the cost of golf in the U.S. Okay. Compared to other countries. If you take the U.K., the European model, there are a lot of neighborhood public courses, dirt cheap compared to the U.S., memberships, dirt cheap compared to the U.S., Uh, full memberships to these golf clubs, dirt cheap compared to the U.S. One thing that I was really insulated in my neck of the woods over the last two, three years was the explosion of pricing in golf courses. And I'll explain that. The course that I play at, our high school home course, my home course, Indian Mountain, the goat track as people know it, is completely serviceable for what I need it to be. At its peak, I think it's 20 bucks for nine holes. You know, 18 walking. I don't know what the cart price is. I don't I don't ride a cart, okay? Uh, so I'm kind of insulated to this big boom that we've had, of course, is just throwing crazy numbers out there and people paying it because of the number of people that have jumped into the game due to COVID. This is where it hit me. You know we go down to Pinehurst every Thanksgiving, okay? Yep. I started looking up. This was the first year where I didn't have courses completely set up. The only course I had set up was Dormy Club. That's it. Everything else, I was going to wing it. People I meet, contacts I have, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe not the best idea. It's the way I went about it. I started looking at courses. I've talked to some people about these. I'm not going to name drop. Mm -hmm. They're not Pinehurst Resort. These are off-site ones. Courses that no less than two years ago, Scott, I was paying $35 to walk. Same time of year, same time of day, are now $85. Courses that I was paying $55 to $75 to play, same time of year, same time of day, are now $145. Call these courses up. I said, hey, trying to book a tee time. Honestly, last time I've played is two, three years ago here. Uh, What are your twilight rates? Oh, so we don't do twilight rates this this time of year. You don't do twilight rates. Okay, cool. Uh, What's your junior rate? Oh, well, how old is a junior? He's 16. Oh, that's an adult. Okay. What about your junior rate? My other's 13. Oh, that's not a junior. Junior's under 11. Okay. So, a course that I was able to get myself and both the boys on walking during Thanksgiving week, two years ago, 
all three of us, $68. Now, if I wanted to book it, all three of us, Thanksgiving week, $197. Nah. It's astronomical. Yeah. I did. I honestly didn't believe it until I started speaking to people that live in Pinehurst and live in Southern Pines, and they said, "Dan, you would not believe the off-resort courses and what they are charging, but what they're able to get. It's not just the fact that they're charging it; they're getting that cost, they're getting that price mm-hmm. for each round because people are paying it, and it's just due to the nature of the beast." Where there's more people, there's more demand, and when demand goes up, pricing goes out the window. Yeah, and and that, so again, I, here in New York, you kind of have you, the regular three options. You have your munis, you have your you know public, you know pu- privately owned public courses, and then you have private courses. Now the private courses. Again, where I am in New York, it, it is the the bastion of the, you know, old money private course. Like, yes, you have to know someone who knows someone who knows someone to get to sponsor you. And then five other yeah. people have to sponsor you as well. They're going to go through your tax record. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know. I know. Now, the, the munis are really the ones that are the, the most affordable, which also means that everyone's out there. Yep. So to be honest with you, it's not an enjoyable golf experience, uh, especially around here, like on a weekend, even up and we're, at, you know, miles outside of New York City. Um, there's people who are taking the train, taking Ubers to these golf courses because it's 80 bucks, which is for them adding the cost of the train and the Uber it's still cheaper a lot of times than playing somewhere around New York City. So right. they're, they're doing that and you can't get out. Like you need to, you know, be like a, you know, have a, a membership at that Muni where you can make like these advanced tea times um, or you have like these, you know, privately owned public courses, which like you said, have all skyrocketed in cost because supply and demand. You know, you want a little better experience. Okay, that's fine. But you're going to have to pay for it. Um, So, and even that, a lot of them, you know, there's the one course here that um, they'll, I mean, I I swear they they add tee times as like people show up. So like maybe they have them spaced out nine minutes apart. But like I've seen like them, like people show up and be like, I'm going to fit you out between the 830 and the 839 i'm just like how how is that working like that's just right they've they've become just conveyor belt factories of pushing people out Mm -hmm. collecting the money push them out collect the money push them out yep and then the the places that do try to kind of limit that and kind of did try and keep the cost down um, they you know, like the, we've had a couple courses shut down around here in the last couple of years. The, the garrison shut down. The, really? Yeah. That was a very good course. It was a very good course, but you could show up there on a weekday, pay under 80 bucks with a cart and pretty much have the course to yourself, which is right. not the makings of a successful business. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, that's a tough scenario, and I understand the courses wanting to get the money. I, I don't know what the answer is. Is the answer to is the answer to build more neighborhood public courses? Uh, is the answer to build bigger resort courses to try to pull people mm-hmm. away from the you know the the smaller, more cost effective courses? I don't know. It's the not going to get better. That's the problem. The tower I teach, um, they just built like a 12-hole short course. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's the option, Scott. Which seem, I mean, and this is uh, th- th- what they really should do because they're having a problem finding someone to manage it. So what they really should do is hire us. Um, and then you and I can take care of that. But um, Not a bad idea. But it, it, it was supposed to open this year and then it didn't because, again, they can't find a management company that'll can run it successfully. Um, so I'm hoping for next summer, but well, I'll tell you what, one of, uh, fun. yeah, I, it's a great idea that the Bethlehem Muni, which is the golf course attached to the simulator place that we are at all winter mm. has a regulation 18 hole course. They cut down a ton of trees, made it very fair, uh, wide open fairways, tricky greens. Okay. Great course across the street up the road, which is where their driving range is. They have a nine-hole short course there as well. Short Caniac. Very Caniac-esque. Okay? Short par fours um, and par threes of all different sizes and lengths. And when the, when the course is full with members, with public, the three high school teams, three high school teams, Scott, play at that course. Hmm. They are using the short course and the range. So there's like, there's that overflow. Hmm. And I think that's what what courses need now is is you can't just get by with 18 holes. You need overflow parking for right. people. And whether that be a putting course, whether it be a chip and putt, whether it be something as grandiose as the cradle or the sand dunes or something like that, mm-hmm. whatever it is, it is. But there needs to be some sort of overflow. So I can, not just me, but you know, the general public can show up to a course and be like, oh, I can't get a tee time there. No, but you can play the par three. All right, cool. I'll give you my money. I'm not that mad because I'm still playing golf. Right. Definitely. And there you go. And there you go. All right, but that was good. I like that. We've solved the golf world's problems. We've, we've made plans for 2023, and we've uh, vented and, and cleared our consciousness of all the ills and wrongs in the golf world. That's what we do. There you go. There Wherever you go. we go, we bring logic. So, uh, so tell the people what to do, Dan. Hey, man, either get busy golfing or get busy dying. <laughs>